Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, it's 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Huge. What does that mean a lot? Sales staff that works with you, your trade-in has never been worth more. And not only that, a service department to back it all up. Difficult, they can handle it. Routine, outstanding. And inspections, they're all over it. Fabulous service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day, history at Madison Square Garden. Wiggins comes across, working on Fournier, up top to Curry. Quick release, and splash! There it is! The best shooter the game has ever seen has cemented his legacy. No one has made more threes than Stephen Curry. I know LeBron's the best player. Steph Curry is to me the single most entertaining player in the NBA I love watching him play basketball this guy got Davidson to the Elite 8 by himself and Bob McKillop by the way McKillop was at the game last night um, and McKillop's a good guy I've met, I've met him a couple times and this guy gets in the NBA and I think I said on this show I want to say it was maybe maybe 13 or 14, maybe it was 12 or 13, I said on this show, watch out for the Golden State Warriors. I said, I, I said, I don't know if they'll win a championship, but but they are a fun team to watch play. He's the reason why. He's just a fun player. And I'll give you a couple quick notes on him. Um, and one of them is, he is in phenomenal shape, and he is always moving to get himself a shot, make a play. And you have to somehow stay up with him. His conditioning is phenomenal. Next, here's the part that nobody ever talks about. He's as good as layups as anybody I've ever seen in the game. The way he uses his body, shields the defender, and understands the angles on the backboard, I haven't seen anybody in the NBA shoot a layup better than him. Or anywhere, for that matter. But he's the single most entertaining player in the game. I mean, he's you know, if he's on, I love watching him play basketball. LeBron to me is obviously a great player. He's one of the five to ten greatest players of all time. Okay, I got it. You know, I'll tell you that. But I don't think he's fun to watch. Curry's just entertaining. He's fun to watch. Love watching him play. All right. Okay, it's always fun for me when we can get this guy in the show. And that is from Sporting News, Bill Bender, my old friend. Welcome back. It is great to have you with us. 
I'm assuming you com- committed to Jackson State today. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, if, Co- if, if Coach Prime is there, especially after you watch him on the Aflac commercial, he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a shakeup today for them to get the top recruit in the country. Uh, we've kind of sorted that out at Sporting News today. And I don't know, Steve, I'd, I'd run this by you. I think outspoken advocate for HBCUs, I think it's awesome what he's doing. Yeah, I'm wondering how long he'll do it. One and two, was this like the ultimate recruiting pitch for himself to get that Florida State job down the line? And I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is absolutely yes on that. Uh, Matt, I think the um, there'll be more pressure on Mike Norvell because of this, because A, he's the one that loses out on the recruit, as you point out, and he goes to a guy with the Florida State roots who now has his team in a bowl game against South Carolina State. I think there's going to be more momentum to say, come home to Tallahassee. What do you think? Yeah, I do. And, and again, he again, he has done this great job at Jackson State in two years, increased the visibility of the program, got him in the Celebration Bowl. I mean, you can make the case that Hunter might be the most visible player at an HBCU since – I remember Steve McNair. I, I, yeah, I sure. remember I kind of idolizing him on the playground a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, but how long can he do it before he gets tempted into the larger conversation? And as I pointed out in my column today, that of the 13 Power 5 openings this year, there was not one African-American coach hired. Marcus Freeman being an independent, of course, and an right. equally big hire. Right. Uh, along the way, though, there were others that benefited, like Mel Tucker benefited from the openings. James Franklin was able to get a 10-year deal out of it. So there, there's there's some dominoes there. How about that? No, and, and well, I think both of those extensions. I, sometimes, Steve, I, I just got to admit, I don't know what to think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when the coaches are making that much money yeah. – and, you know, Ralph Russo, who I know is a mutual friend of ours, yes. uh, he made a good point on Twitter, and I don't he probably doesn't even remember tweeting this, but he said something to the effect of the player movement intentionally has created more freedom, I think more leverage for coaches, honestly. Because, I mean, roster management's impossible right now for a college football coach. Oh my goodness! You, oh, Billy, you are so right. When it, roster management is right now is the single most difficult that it's ever been in the history of the game between the portal. I mean, let's let's take an example. All right, just a quick example. Now he hasn't gone anywhere, but if Caleb Williams wanted to go from Oklahoma to USC, there's literally nothing stopping him. I think it's harder to manage a college roster than it is an NFL roster right now. NFL straightforward. You have, you know, 53 or whatever the number is. You have a draft. You have free agents. Um, college, a guy goes. It just, I think it changes the way you recruit. I think it changes the way you have to coach. Uh, some of it, and I know we'll probably talk about Michigan a little bit, is if we take Michigan, for example. Cade McNamara just led them to the playoff run, and they've got this five star kid behind them with McCarthy with a live arm. And, yep. Can they keep those two both happy for another season? It's not going to be easy. Well, that's what somebody had asked me earlier in the year. Uh, um, uh, Jack Ham and I were talking about this, and we got asked about this by a fan at a pregame show, and this was after the Michigan State game. Why is McCarthy playing? And I said, look, I said, it's only a personal opinion from 30,000 feet. 
I said, but I think Jim Harbaugh is trying to keep him from transferring. I mean, th- well, I mean I that's no how, yeah, I think that's that's I mean, that's not why you you should make a decision like that. But it's but in today's modern game, you have to think that. And that's part of the roster management, and I and there's no doubt that's part of the reason why. I mean, you watch McCarthy in pieces, and you see this like rocket arm, and then. McNamara just kept winning, and uh, other schools are going to go through this. I mean, we live in a environment now where I think they'll. I, I look at the Quinn Ewers case, where <laughs> skips his senior year of high school, goes and sits on a bench at Ohio State, and now he's a quarterback at Texas, and he'll probably start next year. I, I, I guess that kind of stuff only me will impact the super elite college football player to say what that line is. Well, let me ask you about this. Here today, I think this is, what, the fifth year that there's been this early signing date. And you and I know there's always unintended consequences when elements like this happen. Well, this time around, the unintended consequences were Lincoln Riley left, he went to USC, Brian Kelly left, he went to LSU, because they have to be there to get a recruiting class to either save it or whatever they can do with it. Does this recruiting date get changed when the coaches meet next month? Maybe. Um, I, I think because of everything that's changed and, you know, with NIL and, and I, we're just in this big hurry to speed up the calendar. I mean, here in Pickerington, where I live, a really standout player named Sonny Styles mm-hmm. reclassified and he bumped up for Ohio State. Now, Sonny's, Sonny's good enough to do that. I've watched him play. He's He's really good, but Who's to say, like I said, who's to say what the line is? And uh, really changes things. I think it's going to change the early signing period. I think, you know, because these that recruits, it's, it's no secret what they're doing, Steve. They're in a big hurry to get on campus so they can get three years in and the best of them can get to the NFL. Well, you know, that's something Jack and I do talk about privately all the time because the way the NFL is structured, your first contract is that four-year deal. And if you don't get franchised, that means you can be as early as 24 or 25 years of age, depending on you know how young you were when you, you got into the league. You're not going for your second contract. I mean, that age thing means something because it's earlier for them to attempt to get a second contract. Now, you and I both know there are no assurances, but that's how some guys are thinking now. Yeah, and, and the clock on an NFL player, I think, the average career is now. I know it's not not exactly long. I mean, if you're a running back, it's it's a no-brainer. If you're a star running back, you because your clock ticks a little earlier because most of them are done by 30. And uh, it, it is a wild world. I think uh, today uh, with us covering it, we don't cover recruiting maybe as well as some of the other sites that focus on that do. I'll be the first to admit that. But as somebody that just kind of casually follows it, it is wild to see all the changes. I think the transfer portal is the craziest thing to me right now. That I mean, I don't know how you manage that. I mean, because uh, well, the, uh, you and I both know, I, I think you and I have kidded about this before, I ain't starting, I'm departing. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a, you feel right. like in some ways that's, that's, that's what it comes down to for some guys. Now, I, and I'll shortly here in a few weeks, you try to – you know, we all like looking ahead to next year, and you try to say, well, here's what the rosters might look like. We'll do a super early top 25 like everything else, but it's an increasingly futile exercise because I don't know who these ros- what these rosters are going to look like. 
And um, this year proved that it did spice up the playoff a little bit. We got Cincinnati. I think that's great. We got Michigan one in the Big Ten. But at the end of the day, most people are going to pick Georgia and Alabama to play for the championship. Yeah, that's exactly right. They will pick them uh, to win. Uh, I have to ask you, obviously Ohio State's not in, but Cincinnati is. What's the reaction in state been to Cincinnati getting there? Um, I think most people were in favor of it because of Ohio State fans. If Luke Fickle wasn't the coach, I think it'd be a little bit different here in Columbus. Um, But because Fickle's the coach and has built that program into something special, now if that last playoff spot would have came down to Ohio State versus Cincinnati, which for a time it looked like it might, now that would have got nasty. Um, yeah, but you know what Luke Fickle's done, and you've been around the Big Ten long enough. I really believe he's created '90s Michigan. He's created a Ohio-heavy team. Yep, got a lot of recruits from Ohio. They play hard. They play within themselves. They resemble those Michigan teams from the '90s to me. Strong secondary, strong defense, run the football, and there's an element of trestle ball to it too. And that's why they're having success. I they're in trouble against Alabama, but I'm talking to some people that, that like that matchup and like how they played against Georgia last year. And let's face it, you um, Cincinnati has a veteran quarterback that understands the speed of the game. Now we'll find out if he understands Alabama's speed of the game. But you know, because you and I both know Alabama since 2017, the only games they have lost, the opponent scored 40 or better, which is. I mean, that's one of the more phenomenal stats that you'll hear out there. But since 2017, since the Iron Bowl 2017 when they lost to Auburn, all their other losses have been games where they gave up over 40. Right. And, and, um, you know, uh, you look at that, and it's just wild to think that you've got to get in a shootout with them. Now, here's my soapbox about Cincinnati playing in this because this game is going to be divisive. The Power Five proponents are going to say they don't belong there, and the Group of Five, this is our chance. I've watched Alabama in their last five semifinals beat Washington, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Clemson by an average of 20.2 points per game. Right. That's every Power Five conference in Notre Dame. So, Steve, if we're sitting there on New Year's Eve and we watch Cincinnati win by 21, I mean, how's it any different? I guess if Alabama comes out and beats them like 52 nothing, then right. then we'll have that conversation. Right. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um I'll tell you what struck me about Georgia, because uh, they had to play Michigan. You know what struck me about Georgia when they played Alabama? It's how What's slow is how slow they looked. Mm-hmm. I was and... I was struck by how slow Georgia looked in that game. I mean, Davis was out of gas midway through the first quarter. And you've seen this Michigan team, so I've been telling people all along. I can break down the numbers on this all you want. I can watch game, you know, you can watch the Big Ten on 60 and the SEC matchups. And I need to see it on the field for about 15 plays mm-hmm. because I think this Michigan team created so much momentum down the stretch, and it really started with the Penn State win. Yep. When they beat Penn State, it just snowballed from there. And he's got his most confident team yet. They've got a really good defense. Can they get pressure off the edge on Georgia? And – can their receivers get a little separation on Georgia's defensive backs? If that happens and the play calling is creative, Michigan's got a chance to win that game. 
and Georgia has a quarterback problem. I know Stetson Bennett has, I think he's played beyond what people have hoped, but Ojabo and Hutchinson as bookends are going to cause a lot of problems for this kid. I mean, not just a couple, because Georgia cannot afford to fall behind because they don't have come-from-behind ability. Michigan actually does have come-from-behind ability. Again, they, you know, there were some things with that Ohio State game, and I was up there for that, that were just different. And they were different when they played Penn State, too, and I think it all revolves around on that defensive side with Hutchison and Ajabo. Yep. Hutchison... Hutchison dominated the Penn State game, dominated the Ohio State game. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why he's going to be a top-five pick. And if he can get that kind of pressure on Bennett, certainly will help. Both of these teams are going to want to do the same thing. They're going to run, run the ball up the middle and, and control the clock there. And you and I have both watched enough SEC Big Ten matchups to know that that natural heat's going to be on the field because of the regions involved. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think that they're offensively they're a little more similar in style than people I think realize. In fact, I think the receivers for Michigan might be a little bit better than the receiver, except for the tight end. The tight end for for Georgia is an exceptional player, but the running backs, but the yeah. but the running backs for Michigan are better than Georgia's. I agree with all of that, and you just said Brock Bowers is is the guy Michigan has to watch. Um, Iowa's tight end had success on them. Teams have had success in the middle of the field a little bit, matching up the linebackers. Bauer's going to be a problem for them, and that's a guy they've got to guard. But you know, the Michigan one-two running back punch, and now Corum's had a month to rest. I mean, Haskins is just a tough runner. Doesn't go down on first contact. And no. uh, Corum offers that little lightning in between. They uh, That was a good team this year, man. I uh, Nothing but impressed. Other than that one bad quarter in East Lansing, that that was a dominant team. Yeah, and it was a bad quarter. I mean, it really. I mean, they're up by sixteen in that game. It really kind of had. You know, what's interesting about the game against Michigan State is I felt like Michigan went off script because look, Michigan State secondary, you and I both know, is a you know is not exactly top right. shelf. Yeah, I, I, you know, I use the the, the broadcasters to. <laughs> <laughs> They're not exactly yeah, top bad. show. They were bad. Bill, Bill's honest. They're bad, yeah, and which is true. Uh, and I felt like, okay, I understood why they were throwing the ball, but I felt when they got the 16-point lead, they could have reverted back to who they are and run the ball better, and they didn't do it. And I think that cost them in the end. It did, and it, it created, you know, I wrote the hot takes like everybody else, that this was one of those, and I know it was a rivalry and a huge moment for Michigan State, but equally as stunning to me, was a couple weeks later when Michigan State tried to go to Ohio State and get in a track meet. Yeah. That, and that was, that was the most stunning game plan of the year. And it's like, why would you not try to hammer Kenneth Walker at that defense? And, man, I barely sat down for that one, and it was over. Right. Wait, we're, I, I'm trying to think where the heck we were uh, for that game. Uh, I guess we were here. We were home. We're sitting in the booth. We look up and it's like it's thirty-five nothing in the second quarter. We're like, so what are they trying to do? So we so we flipped it over to the game. We're like, at that point, yeah, you know, we didn't. You know, I looked at the stats. I said, why is Peyton throwing so much? How come they're not running the ball? Because Walker had what six carries in the game? Six, right? Six with a guy that could have easily at, at the moment he was pretty much a Heisman ca- candidate and uh, a guy that was right there in the mix, if not the favorite. He was the favorite for the Heisman after 
he uh, played Michigan. So, yeah, it was a head-scratching game, and the Big Ten had a lot of turns. But um, at the end of the day, I think we go into next year, and you mentioned Walker or uh, Franklin and Tucker and the extensions there. Ryan Day is probably going to get a raise yep. if he doesn't go to the NFL, which I don't think he will. Right. And the conversation you and I have in the summer will be about the same four programs in the Big Ten East. Right. Over and over again. That's where the power is. It's it's in the it's in the East, just like in the SEC. It's in the West. Is that a good thing? You think that we kind of bypass the West altogether? Is that a good thing? See, but the West has to prove it at some point, don't they? They have to get into toe to toe with the with the champion of the East and have to beat them, and they haven't done it yet. And I and I was also stunned at how easily Michigan disposed of Iowa. I honestly thought, that given how they matched up and how Iowa could had slowed them down a little bit in the past, I thought that looks like twenty seven seventeen to me. Um, I was completely wrong about that one. I've been wrong about a lot of things this year, but that one I was definitely wrong about. Uh, you know what? After watching the two in person, I don't know if you saw Iowa in person at, at, at all this year, but watching the two of them in person, I'll tell you, I looked at it and I I thought Michigan win by three touchdowns. And the re- okay. and the reason and the, the reason I thought that was is that they're better in the trenches, and with all due respect, I don't think Spencer Petrus is good enough in a game like that. And and that's part of the thing with the Big Ten West, whether you're Wisconsin or Iowa or Nebraska, who extended Frost. You, you just said it. That's that's kind of the thing I go into these matchups. Thing is, Graham Mertz good enough to win the Big Ten? Is you know Taylor. Taylor Martinez, good to, good enough to win the Big Ten, or Adrian Martinez, or right. whichever you know quarterback they get next, right. and they're going to have to get somebody at Nebraska to run that offense the way the Frost wants to. That doesn't no. turn the ball over. Exactly, because you look in the East, Thorne's a very good quarterback, Clifford's a mm-hmm. very good quarterback, Stroud's a, an outstanding quarterback, McNamara doesn't make mistakes. He's a good quarterback. That's where the good, solid quarterbacks are. They're all on this side. Right? And you look at the numbers. I mean, you know, Clifford, for example, 20 touchdowns and six interceptions. No offense. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> right? And, Stra- and Stroud's numbers are even better than that. And if Clifford does, and you guys, and I'd hate to beat this in there. I know. Everybody knows. knows. Yeah. If, if he doesn't get hurt, we know. Yeah. I mean, they scored, well, they, scored, they scored 17 points in 18 minutes to open the game. You tell me what direction that game's headed. So, Bill. This is always fun. you and I just sit here and talk. You know, I enjoy every second of it. Uh, we will talk again soon. I hope happy holidays to you and yours. But it is always great having you on. The best ones when you can just talk sports. And uh, you guys have a great holiday too. Thank you so much for having me on. Bill Bender, Sporting News. All right, some of James Franklin final half hour of the show. Thanks. Uh, for being with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory. And uh, it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right, let's get to James Franklin, his press conference today, talking about the signings. Yeah, just briefly, um, obviously we're, we're pleased with the class. It's pretty balanced between offense and defense. A lot of hard work, a lot of hours went into this, a lot of building you know, significant relationships with, uh, with the recruits as well as their parents and, and high school coaches. Um, you know, I'm pretty proud you know, for 12 years we've had, uh, for the most part, very little drama on signing day. The, the relationships and the kids that we have developed and the process we have, um, you know, it's been it's been pretty smooth from that perspective. So I'm I'm pleased with that, um, you know. But overall, you know, we got 10 guys coming in uh, in terms of early enrollees. Uh, we're pretty balanced across the board, you know, positionally, um, and uh, you know, excited about you know the the guys that we're bringing in. Obviously, they have different rankings and ratings d- depending on who you're talking to, but. Um, the type of young men that we've been able to, to recruit, uh, both as athletes, both with the types of uh, body types that we're looking for in terms of growth potential, um, athleticism, speed. A number of these guys came to camp. I think we had 17 of them in, in some, some form of a camp with us. Um, you know, overall, we're, we're very, very pleased. Um, you know, the early enrollee thing continues to, to grow for us, which I think is a, is a positive when the situation fits the family, um, the family in the high school. Um, so, you know, overall, we're, we're excited about it. Obviously, we still have another signing period, and then we also have uh, some transfer portal possibilities as well. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. So appreciate you guys jumping on and covering Penn State football. Uh, look forward to a- answering questions, uh, hopefully about you know the recruiting process and signing day. Start with Ryan Snyder from Blue Eight Illustrated, then Mark Brennan. Thanks, James. You hear me? I can now. Awesome. Uh, you, you signed two really good quarterbacks in this class, Boker Buola and Drew Aller. Uh, they're a little different in some ways, both really good athletes, uh, but they bring different things to the table. Uh, just 
what, what do they, you know, what did you guys see through the evaluation process between the two? And then also uh, just how important is it to have Sean Clifford, you know, set, set the tone for those guys moving forward? Yeah, I think, I think Sean's a big part of this, right? And we, and we didn't know that for sure. Um, you know, I, I think Sean does as good as any quarterback I've been around in college in terms of how to prepare, how to watch film, um, you know, how he studies the game and studies defenses. I think that's going to be really valuable uh, for these two quarterbacks. I think, you know, obviously also with Veyu's experience that he was able to gain last, last year. Um, you know, I think we're in a, we're in a healthy position uh, at, at the quarterback spot. You know, with with those two guys, you know, I'm I'm really proud of both of them and and how they handled, uh, you know, the situation, you know, throughout the entire process. You, know, you look at in state with Bo Prabula, um, you know, he comes from a football family. His dad played at Shippensburg. Brother's a quarterback at Delaware. Uh, unbelievable student. Uh, really had a unbelievable senior year. You look at the numbers he was able to put up and and the wins that they were able to uh, to have this year. Um, uh, it was a special year. He made plays with his feet. Uh, he made plays with his arm. His touchdown to interception ratio was fantastic. His completion percentage was fantastic. Coach Janchek over there did did an unbelievable job with him. So, um, you know, and just really kind of how he handled this whole process. He never wavered. Um, I think he really embraces competition, um, and I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more excited about him and, and more proud. And then obviously, you know, Drew Alar, um, you know, comes in, you know, really when we were recruiting him early on, uh, we felt like obviously, you know, we signed two of the better quarterbacks in, in, all, of, in all of college football this year in terms of signing classes. Uh, Drew's a guy that kind of did it kind of old school. He, um, you know, as he went to camps and as he played in the season, uh, he just continued to do well, and his rankings, you know, continued to rise, and people were really impressed with him. Uh, big kid um, who could stand in the pocket and deliver the ball. I think people underestimated his athleticism as well. Um, you know, does a great job, you know, making some of the – some of the plays that maybe aren't in the playbook in terms of extending plays and um, you know off off balance throws um, with unbelievable accuracy and um, you know and playmaking ability. You know, was able to make some plays with his feet too. So um, another kid that just handled the process extremely well is embracing the competition. Um, and excited about the future. Both have been, you know, real big-time leaders in the class as well. Um, I think there's probably more similarities with them than there are differences, but um, but there are some. You know, obviously, Alar's a little bit uh, bigger, bigger. I'd say Prabola maybe a little bit more athletic, um, but um, you know, I think both of them have a lot of traits and skills that you look for and desire. And I love the fact that both of them are embracing the competition. Mark Brennan, Lions 247 with Fight on State, then Rich Scarcella. Thanks for your time as always, James. You too, Mark. Hey, James, you were able to uh, bring this in for a smooth landing despite what you call noise that was out there during the season and then a, a, a key coaching change after the season. How did you guys manage to do that, and what does it say about the kids in this class that nobody really seemed to blink? 
Well, I, I think for the, the first thing, Mark, as you know, and I tried to communicate with you guys and be as transparent as I could, you know, the whole time is is there was a lot of communication going on, you know, with our current team. There was a lot of communication going on uh, with the recruits and parents, so that so they I think felt informed and, and weren't shocked by anything. Um, and we were able to, you know, really able to ride that out. Uh, you know, a, a season that saw some unbelievable highs and some challenges as well. Um, and, and nobody really blinked, you know. So, you know, I love the character in this class as much as the athleticism. Um, when you see all types of drama right now in college football and, and recruiting, uh, we haven't had a whole lot of that. So um, I'm very appreciative and thankful for that. And then obviously losing Brent Pry, as you guys know, uh, Virginia Tech got a great one. Um, um, I'm, I'm really happy for Brent. Actually, his wife was at our signing day today. She's still part of our family and is, is here in town. Uh, it was great to see her. Um, you know, but losing Brent, both personally and professionally, was a big one. You know, guy's been with me for 12 years. Um, we've known each other for 30 years. Um, so, you know, being able to go out and, and hire um, you know, somebody like Manny Diaz, who has a similar philosophy. We've shared ideas uh, on the defensive side of the ball together for a number of years. Um, so I think that helps, obviously, a proven defensive coordinator with a, with a you know, successful track record to, to back it up. And then, obviously, the head coach experience is, is going to be valuable as well. So um, I, even through that process, I've been communicating with our team as well as as well as recruits coming in that, you know, we were going to get somebody really good, but we were also going to get somebody who had similar, um, similar philosophy, and, and we've been able to do that. So, uh, so far, so good. Appreciate it, Mark. Rich Scarcella, Reading Eagle, and then Ben Jones. Good afternoon, James. How are you? Good, Rich. How are you, buddy? I'm great, thank you. You knew this was coming. Uh, i got to ask you about Nick Singleton, Catron coming in. What do you like most about those two running backs is there potential for them to be on the field next year yeah you know really every guy we recruit we recruit with the mentality that they're going to come in and play you know obviously um you know the higher they're regarded um the fact that he's coming in at mid-semester both of these guys they help with that uh, they still got to go out and earn the job and things like that but obviously both of them have a you know, really impressive background, um, and obviously being here at mid-semester, th those things help. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, it's interesting because it's it's like you, know, you look at Katron and it has a different style. He's a physical guy. He's going to punish you. Um, he's been as big as 225 pounds. I think he's about 215 right now, but he's been as big as 225 pounds. But it's funny because people talk about, like, it's almost like, you know, thunder and lightning, and and that Nick is like this undersized scat back. I mean, Nick's 215 pounds, you know, uh, and has the ability to go 80. Obviously, you know, both of them. You know, I don't know if there's a better you know running back class signed in the country, um, and and obviously Nick being named the, the you know Gatorade National Player of the Year uh, is pretty cool. And and we got really good history, as you know. Um, with with keeping running backs in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, and those guys playing well, you know, obviously with Saquon and Miles, uh, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. We're we're super excited about getting them. You know, we got a lot of work to do between now and then, but but it should be exciting. And I know I know you'll uh, you'll have a lot of fun covering it.
Ben Jones, statecollege.com, then Daniel Gallen. Hey, James, how's it going? Good, Ben. How are you? Good. The, the kind of quarterback that people think Drew can become and the kind of success that you want to have at Penn State, these things are related. And it, because of that, it seems hard to talk about him like he's just another freshman because he's not really. I mean, he is, but the, the importance that he could have for the program is somewhat obvious so far. How do you balance that? with your own process of developing quarterbacks, giving not everyone a fair shake necessarily, but, you know, seeing how this works out and what does his next 12 months look like? Yeah, I think, you know, we all realize whether it's high school, college, or, or the NFL, um, having a difference maker at the quarterback position um, and what that's able to do. You talk about franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, you look around college football and you look at the programs that have been able to compete at the highest level, they've had difference makers at the quarterback position. So um, obviously, you know, when, when you recruit quarterbacks uh, in, in this class like we have, um, and, and they're highly regarded, very similar to how we were just talking about Nick Singleton, uh, it's a little bit different. And, and I understand that and I get that, um, you know, Obviously, we're, we're excited about what we're going to be able to do moving forward, and they're going to play a big, big role in that. Um, but I understand your point. Uh, you know, at, at, the, at you know, in this in this sport, and at that position, um, you know, obviously it carries a lot of weight. Like like a pitcher in baseball that can dominate games, quarterbacks have the ability to do that as well. And it's I think college football has probably become even more, um, you know, quarterback centric. Um, than maybe it was 10, 15 years ago. The NFL's been like that for a long time. So, um, you know, what I want to try to do is, is support Drew as much as we possibly can um, and Bo um, throughout this entire process. I think Sean coming back helps because uh, I think we want to find that fine line of, of how do we get these guys ready and develop them, but also not put too much pressure on them um, that comes with, with the type of rankings and ratings that, that he has. That is James Franklin on his recruiting class. 23 players signing today. We'll wrap up in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online. SunburyMotors.com for Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And uh, not only that, uh, you've got uh, a fabulous sales staff that, look, your trade-in's never been worth more. It never has been. And it's worth more than ever. And they'll do everything they can to save you money. And a service department, routine, difficult, inspections, they're outstanding. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Any complaints on your part? Still good here. Of, well, no, I get a lot of uh, requests now by text. Like, is he all right? <laughs> yes. Several of them are from local physicians. No, we're good. We're good. Feel compelled to ask. I appreciate it. Now, we may or may not have 
the suit tomorrow on the prediction show. Yes, I I will let you know tomorrow. I still haven't had a chance to ask him yet. This is a person that has won championships. Now, he didn't win last year. Correct, he did not. I think it was you that won last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. Okay, there you go. But he didn't win last year. Needless to say, to quote Will Ferrell, you're an angry elf. It's just, you know, and that's the suit. He's an angry elf. Hey, Santa tonight, by the way, from uh, 6 to 7. Oh, yeah. Boy, we're getting down to it now. That we are. I mean, we are getting down to it now. Um, but the... Um, so, I mean, we're what? Nine days away from Christmas Eve? That is correct. Wow. Now, that's right. Now, now, obviously, little Mark is only six months old. Um... Now, Luke is coming up on two. Correct. Any inkling on Santa? Um, I'm going to say no, actually. I know you brought him over to the Susquehanna Valley Mall. Correct, and he was a little nervous. um, But we have a Santa statue down in in the man cave, and he does tend to hug that. So I, I think as long as he doesn't talk to him, then we're good. If he talks to him, then we start to get a little nervous. I mean, well, he, we don't want him ner- nervous around Santa. We don't of course. Yeah. Now, so ne- he's now warming next, up to it. Next year, he'll fully embrace it. Yes, I agree. And Mark will probably be in the stage that Luke is in now. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah, I guess he or would at be, least start be, to be. He might be, still be a little bit be, early. Yeah, yeah, Mark would be like a year and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, very nice. Because um, the suit was always bold about that. Silence me! <laughs> and that was I last week. I don't doubt it. And that was last <laughs> week. <laughs> I want to sit down. And Santa's like, oh. <laughs> F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells Fausta! It's the only time I ever heard Santa say, don't you think I've suffered enough? <laughs> Today's show. That's bad. Brought you, brought you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes eleven and fifteen, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. We'll have a lot of fun tomorrow. We've got bowl predictions tomorrow. All forty-three of them. We're not going to do the championship game, which would be number forty-four. There are too many bowl games. Then don't watch. <laughs> I don't need a lecture from you on programming. The heck? I like bowl games.